This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hi, I'm Timothy Zahn, creator of Grand Admiral Thrawn, and you're listening to Conversations Podcast. Good for you. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is Episode 81. In a galaxy full of diverse environments and landscapes, planets range from icy barren wastelands or sand dunes for parsecs to bioluminescent worlds rich with the living force. Some even feature nothing but metropolitan structures or planet cores so hot the surface of the world is molten and fiery. Some have moons with dense forestry and rich, diverse indigenous creatures. This is Endor. Nice. <laughs> Surprisingly diverse, too, for the uh, the moon of Endor. It is indeed. And that's the interesting part about it. It is the moon of Endor, which is... Um... <laughs> so, growing up, when I used to watch The Return of the Jedi, and uh, Admiral Akbar would be like, they're on the forest moon of Endor. I'm like, why are they on the forest moon? They should be on the closest moon. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense that they would go that far. And then I saw the That's subtitles hilarious. and I was like, oh, forest, not forest. Okay, got it. Which, I mean, grammatically, you know, it would be furthest. But, furthest, yeah. But he's Mon Calamari. You don't know. Right. That might right. be the way they speak. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, he's an admiral. You don't question what they're going to say. Right. And when you argue with an admiral, it's a trap. Right. So um, there are, uh, what, like nine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's crazy. And it's the forest moon because I imagine – it's not close. Uh, no, <laughs> it's um, it's the one with with all the trees and everything. Right, right. Uh, which, of course, they they filmed that out in uh, California, and um, yeah, the, the redwood forest. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what a cool thing because you see the desert in the first film, mm -hmm. and it's like the whole planet's desert, which is, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and then. You know, the second one, you see Haas. They have all this ice. It's like the Canadian barren wasteland and all. Um, mm -hmm. And then, I mean, you see on Yavin, you see, like, some trees and all. But but this is, like, world full of forest and creatures and all because you don't, you don't see any of that in um, Yavin. Absolutely. The plan for George was that those environments and those changes in environments were part of his plan to sort of show these different worlds, but also give a visual uh, change in what was going on with the trilogy. Mm -hmm. So, and it's very effective, of course. And it begs the question then, the other eight planetoids, you know, what were they called? Were they like the, the, the desert moon of Endor, the snowy moon of Endor? <laughs> there could be some interesting things that like the watery moon of Endor, although we know that there's water on Endor, but, uh -huh. um, uh huh. But the forest moon and the fact that this system 
and or system, extreme edge of known space way in the, you right. know, at the edge of the outer rim, which right. completely makes sense. Not, you know, that didn't really register with me when I first saw the movie and, you know, they explained it and everything. But as material has come out, explaining just how secluded this planet was, it makes perfect sense why the Empire would be out there and building their second Death Star with, you know, away from the eyes of people and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, they had the foresight to build the battle station close enough to the moon that they could have a built-in shield around it. Right. So, you know, of course, when they were planning this, they needed to build structures on the moon to, um, to house these shield generators and all. So they raised an entire Ewok village to construct the bunkers and the outposts and everything. Wow. That yeah, that led to strained relations between the Ewoks and the Imperials. Um, that goes without saying. Right. And unfortunately, from the history of Endor, of sentient beings traveling there and who had spacefaring capability, Endor and the Ewoks, unfortunately, were, I guess, killed, being used for food, like Ewok jerky. I mean, there's a, some pretty nasty stuff that happened to the Ewoks. And when you think about that and how they were treated... You can totally get where they got their self-sufficiency and their smarts for warfare to protect their own because they were subjugated to some pretty atrocious things in their history. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it almost became a sport to go to Endor and hunt Ewok. (laughs) Um, No, honestly, because it was a popular snack. Um, I mean, I don't doubt its deliciousness. However... um, You need to kill quite a few Ewoks to really make a dent in an appetite. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, But there is no shortage of Ewoks on the forest moon because it is home to 30 million Ewoks. Yes. But not only are there Ewoks, okay? Endor is also home to the Blurgs. Ah, that's right. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. And boar wolves, condor dragons... Polga and the Tip Yip. Wow. If you know anything about Galaxy's Edge, they have a uh, a Tip Yip salad. This is true. And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Endor is also the home to the Gorax. Right. Shout out to We Serve Droids and and their (laughs) spirit animal. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So uh, you bring up an interesting point about them needing to fight to survive. Because Battlefront 2 video game, there is a play mode, um, which is terrifying to me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's called Night, Night on Endor, okay? And essentially, you are a stormtrooper, and you have to survive the night on Endor. And I think I changed my underwear two or three times. <laughs> um, it's terrifying. It's ter- you're, you're like in Vietnam. And the Viet Cong are all in the trees. And then, like, you're there with a squad of troopers. And, like, they're just dropping, like, flies. Well, I mean, I was the one dropping, like, flies. (laughs) I'm terrible at the game. However, it's incredibly frightening. Because it's, like, one of those suspense thriller movies. And I'm terrible at video games. So... Well, you're terrible at video games until I come over. Then you're, like, you know, Jedi Master at video games. That's why we're friends. Um, (laughs) No, uh, I need a victory here and there. It's it's terrifying because they're they're tiny. You can't really see them, 
and they're hiding in trees with sticks and logs and stuff. So yes. it's just bad news. Yeah. It's bad news all around. And they are incredibly good at it. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the other problem is once you die, you come back as an Ewok. <laughs> so like <laughs> so like their numbers with every Imperial death increase. And then the, the remaining Imperials is like dwindled to nothing. <laughs> so it's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible game. And that's the, the invading species. You have the Imperials and then some brigands who are, like you said, trying to collect Ewoks for Ewok jerky. That speaks nothing to the indigenous species there, like the Duloks or the Yuzums, along with the Goraks uh, that are indigenous uh, to the planet. Those are warring factions and like aggressive and... The Bright Tree Village itself that we saw in... Ah, uh, yes. That's where that's where Wicket and company yeah. are all from. And like you said, there's a massive population of Ewoks. This is just one of the clans that we saw. Similar to, you know, uh, Book of Boba Fett and the uh, Tusken Raiders. The, you know, they, they... You can assume that there are many of those and we just sort of focused on one clan or one grouping of them. So you can imagine across the planet the warfare going on in territory and food and all those types of uh, natural resources that they're all competing for. And those other, those other species on the planet are terrifying in their own right. Just like the Ewoks. I mean, you know, they're cute and fuzzy and to look at, but when it comes down to brass tacks, they're going to kill you. Well, actually they're going to capture you. (laughs) They're going to capture you first, then cook you. And then you'll be dead. So that, sort of terrifying aspect is only born from what they had to do to survive as a species. Oh, yeah. I think their appearance uh, works in their benefit because, you know, you see like an Imperial sees one and he's not even half the size Hmm. of the, you know, biker scout or whatever the case may be. And he's like, oh, look at this little thing with a stick. I kick him out of the way. And not only does he know how to use the stick, but he's got a bunch of friends and they got booby traps and they got everything else. So you absolutely catch them off guard. Right. And so, you know, you got a, a small team of uh, Imperial scouts, five or six of them. OK, fine. But then when you got 30 of these guys and they got like gliders and, and redwood uh, logs to smash. Yeah, ab- <laughs> absolutely. And like they, you know snip some cable and then like a whole pile of logs falls on everybody <laughs> like you, you're not gonna win you're not gonna win that fight no and they know that their terrain they know yeah. how to get around that and certainly the empire were foreigners on this planet not only were they foreigners they were obviously malicious yes well with having burned entire ewok villages and then like essentially treating them like scum the ones that were remaining when uh the scout trooper stops Leia and he sees Wicket there and he's like, eh, he's like kicks him out of the way. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. they have no time for any of the indigenous species anyway. Right. The Empire's track record with devastating planets for their yeah. natural resources is well yeah. known. And at the outset for the building of the second Death Star, the only thing that they had done at that point, as atrocious as it was, was to destroy an entire village. Like you said, I had no idea about that part. Mm hmm. They were just building an installation to provide power and defenses for this uh, uh, moon-based uh, shield to protect the Death Star 2. You know that had that successfully gone through, then it would have been, you know, strip mine the planet and get rid of the indigenous species and just like lay waste to the entire moon Vendor because that's what the Empire does. And 
not that it took the rebels to uh, inspire the Ewoks to protect themselves or, you know, take up arms and defeat them, but they certainly had a, a hand in it. But um, ultimately, and we even saw in the rebels in the movie, how surprised they were at just how they were adept at warfare with using the resources they had at hand. Oh, yeah. Like you were saying, they had logs like set up and booby traps ready so that they could, uh, you know, string ropes across a couple of trees and clotheslines <laughs> some people. <laughs> Just all that stuff that's that's incredibly effective, especially at high speeds. Like, even if you saw it, you ain't stopping. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And perfectly, you know, defensive against the type of machines that the Empire yeah, who's employed. Gonna, who's going to bring chicken walkers onto that terrain? <laughs> the <Idiot>. Empire. <laughs> Idiot. The worst. And... The other aspect that I had no idea about was the shield generator that they installed had a pretty deteriorating effect on the planet itself. It generated a field that caused a lot of disruption, earthquakes and shifts of gravity. So, again, it's just the Empire, you know, laying waste and not really caring at all about what they're using. And and when a lot of your inhabitants are living in treehouses, an earthquake is not a fun thing. No. No, exactly. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> when so, your primary structures are rooted, literally, exactly. in the crust of the uh, planet. <laughs> right, right. And then all your walkways are held together by rope. Mm. Uh, well, guess what? So obviously, the Battle of Endor ensues. Mm-hmm. And the Alliance to Restore the Republic. I love the revisionist history with that. <laughs> It's like, they're not the rebels. They're the alliance to restore the Republic. (laughs) They're rebels, brah. Like, come on. Anyway, so when they come, because they've they've identified this moon where the Imperials are working to build this Death Star. So they come and uh, team up with the Ewoks once they're all captured. (laughs) Of course, the the king of the Ewoks, uh, (laughs) C-3PO, convinces them to to let them go. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it um, is. It is. So, yes. uh, my, my history is a little uh, fuzzy. I think that he's a, a god to them, and he uses his god powers to frighten them into submission. <laughs> they do. Yes, or that's how it works. Either that or in a floating chair. You know, that, that, that works as well. God powers. I'm going with right, god Right, right, right. Um, but we so, would be remiss at this point if we didn't at least acknowledge the sacrifice of the Bothans, who alerted the rebels to this entire operation. I mean... Yeah, I think a couple of them died, too. Yeah, yeah, just a couple. And yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with what they look like, but they are somewhat animalistic in appearance. Yeah, they look like uh, little tusks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think, you know, not to... Not to get off topic. (laughs) We never do that. But, but... So the Bothans have a pretty uh, galaxy-renowned spy network. Ah. Okay. And there's one throwaway line in that movie about Bothans. Uh-huh. And now it's like, oh, the Bothans. Uh. So, like, I want in the Cassian Andor series Ooh. to have him interact with the Bothan spy network. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, 
because that would be the coolest thing. And not um, not only because of that, right? You know, the the what the do you have to contribute? Nothing. Never mind. <laughs> Nothing. <Go on>. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, the Death Star. But the how often it's confused between the Death Star One and Death Star Two that the Balkans yeah, were the Boston ones didn't die for exactly, Death Star 1. and so they. They des- they deserve that pedestal for what they discovered in the Return of the Jedi, and not only that, but so Death Star One blew up Alderaan, and then they're like, "Oh, here's the weakness, pew pew," and then they blew uh-huh. up the Death Star. This Death Star didn't have that exhaust port. All right. Uh huh. So if this one came online, it would have blown up probably Endor first. <laughs> the closest planet. It's like, ah, oh, we'll try the destructive power. And then Tarkin's ghost would be like, you're my file when ready. And then, um, so, and then. then by the way, be... Tarkin's ghost is a band name, by the way. So, go ahead. Continue. A band name? Is it our band? I think so. Tarkin's ghost. That sounds pretty awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. Our bass player is like boss. <laughs> cool. Um, anyway, so. They would immediately like alert the galaxy to their existence if they blew up and right. right. So then everybody'd be like, "Oh, let's get them!" But how are you going to get them? Because they yeah. don't have that same failsafe. Yep. And so it was fully so operational. You're right. For yeah. One. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but that that battle station was operational, which we we come to find out with Nine Num and yeah. Land Talrissian. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. We are. Yeah. Because the Ewoks and uh, form an alliance with them. The murder bears. They're the murder bears. <laughs> like Care Bears, but more killing. Right. Um, Available in our Zazzle shop, by the way. It is. Av- yes. Yes. For the, for the time being, at least. Killer teddies or something. Um, yes. Essentially, they team up. And, and obviously, if you've seen Return of the Jedi, you know that they defeat the Imperials posted on Endor. They're able to deactivate the shields. Yeah. And, you know, despite Han's terrible hot wiring of the doors. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, once the shields are down, they allow the space battle to turn the tides to be in favor of Lando and the fleets of X-Wings, A-Wings, and bombers, and and some expertish falcon flying. Expertish. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, so because once the shields are down, then they have to fly inside yes. the Death Star mm-hmm. to the reactor core, pew-pew that, and then race out before getting exploded. Okay? True. So Lando, of course, you know, Han's hesitant to let him pilot the ship, which, I mean, it's Lando, so <laughs> I, I would be too. Um, that backstabber. However, anyway. it was his to begin with, but yes, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah never mind. He wanted um, to go game yeah, of Sabacc. Yeah. So, you know, obviously Han wasn't flying it because he was on the moon. On his way out, he bumps into some stuff, okay? Knocks off the radar dish, which, mm-hmm. okay, so I used to have the Super Return of the Jedi video game for Super Nintendo. Ooh. Okay? Okay. Ask me how many times I beat that game. Hey, Pat, when you're playing that game, how many times did you beat it? Zero! <laughs> I beat it zero times! <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because 
I was a master of the whole freaking game. The whole bit on Tatooine, Jabba's Palace, the thing. You're shooting the Sarlacc, the whole bit. You head over there to get in the shield generator. Han Solo pew-pew in the hell of that place. Okay? <laughs> so the whole bit. And then you got to fly the Falcon out of this exploding Death Star. And you get engulfed in flames every time. Every time. <laughs> but you've gotten over it, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Not. Not. Not at all. Yeah, so I never beat the game because of that level. So I can understand how Lando knocked the satellite dish off or whatever. <laughs> Fine. Right. That was his only uh, scrape in that Yeah, battle. at least he didn't get engulfed in flames <laughs> like me. <laughs> Oy. Wow. So anyway, he gets out of there before the thing explodes, right? Yes. But then what happens? So, since the battle station was so close to the forest moon, and since the rebels aren't necessarily in favor of mass casualties, <laughs> um, they well, set up. In they, this case, yes. <laughs> innocent casualties, collateral damage. Right. If you will. For, those, for uh, their allies. Okay, go ahead. Right. Only for the guys that align themselves as bad guys. So that's a different story. <laughs> so, they set up shields and tractor beams to protect the planet from the debris. Because they knew they was going to explode the thing. Are you serious? They had like a... Yeah. Wow. So they right. protected the planet. Yeah. Wow. With tractor beams to pull the debris away so it didn't come crashing down like a oh. bunch of meteors. Wow. Yeah. I know. That right? is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like off camera or like obviously <laughs> not in the story, but right. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, the big chunk of the Death yeah. Star, the lands that we see in the Rise of Skywalker in the ocean, you know, that part got through, but obviously it didn't destroy right. the planet, you know, because the planet's still there. Right, so I right. think, you know, the large piece, they probably couldn't keep it from crashing down, but, but they certainly slowed it down. Right, and, and maybe they had a way of directing it to an unpopulated area. That's um, really cool. So they yeah. had considered that before the actual destruction. Well, the whole plan was to blow the thing up. And then that plan got all messed up when they're like, oh, guys, there's a shield <laughs> generator. We can't get in. <laughs> so then they're like, okay, well, now we got to do that first. And then we can blow the thing up. Right. <laughs> so Thanks to so Han. They, <laughs> they intended to blow the thing up the whole time. Right. They just had a hiccup because the Imperials uh, had the, the shields. Interesting. Um, mm. Yeah. So otherwise, it's done a, a decent job by not letting the stuff crash down. Because if they didn't have those tractor beams and shields, that planet would never be able to repel an explosion of that magnitude. <laughs> Plus, you would have pissed off the Ewoks. R well, you would have killed them. They would have died. Well, not all of them. But the ones that survived, they would never have given up and killed you. <laughs> That's right. In the in the dark of night from exactly. the tree. <laughs> All right. So before we go on, we're gonna take a okay. quick break. Oh. And then when we get back, we're gonna talk about the extensions of Endor and where it appears and but also uh, you know, the caravan of courage. We'll be right back. Uh what are we gonna do with all these droid parts? No idea. We can't even move without tripping over these stupid clankers. Why did you call it a clanker? Because that's what I heard one of the troopers call them. That's right, citizen. They are clankers. 
and they're only good for one thing. Scrapping. At Credits for Clankus, not only do we haul away your old, useless B1 battle droid parts, we also take care of any that may be still powered up. No, shoot, I'm not the commander. He's the commander. Yes, I'm the commander now. From the outer rim to Coruscant, you can count on Credits for Clankus for the best value for your scrap. Send us a hollow today. Why do you leave? This place is a mess. Can you give me a hand to move these things? Yeah, no. Uh, the credits for Gregors is part of a water scrapping industry. Best of value, not guaranteed. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsors. Yes, we are back and uh, talking Endor and where Endor appears, uh, aside from just uh, Return of the Jedi. Well, I think, firstly, we have to dedicate a, a specific individual's entire career to this little planet. Okay? okay. All right. So Kenny Baker, our lovely uh, actor that portrayed R2-D2 yes. in the original trilogy, uh, was cast as this uh, plucky little Ewok that meets up with Leia and then brings her back to his village. And then once the rest of the crew gets captured, then they all kind of uh, meet up there and formulate a plan to um, okay. kick some Imperial tail. When it came time to film, Kenny was sick. But there were other short actors that were uh, on set to fill in the rest of right. those uh, Ewok characters. Well, there was a little uh, 11-year-old uh, English gent named Warwick Davis who stood in for Kenny uh, on the first day of shooting and wound up with the job for the reindeer filming. Wow. And, of course, Warwick has played several roles in Star Wars and then, of course, uh, the Leprechaun franchise, Willow, and many, many other wonderful things. That's and fantastic. it's all because of uh, a sick Kenny Baker. He was, I had no idea, he was 11 years old when he did that role? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That so, gives so um, much more weight to that little uh, handy cam home video of him exploring the like, studios with uh, yes. Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill back in the, uh, the 80s. That's hilarious. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and then how far he's come to uh, <laughs> going to the ATM in our hotel in Chicago. Yes. To- <laughs> With to his... give his kids more money. Exactly. <laughs> we just observed. We didn't interact. We didn't bother. We just yeah. watched. That's yeah, all. A little, little, little wave, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> He's going by on his Segway. He's like, it's for the kids. It's I'm for... like, yeah, hey, isn't it always? <laughs> isn't it always? So that was a very sort of lucky, right place, right time situation mm-hmm. for Warwick. And very much worthy of a mention for sure because Absolutely. he embodied he... that and character. He's... Not only that, but then he's gone on to host celebration events, Star Wars weekends events. I mean, he's an incredible and entertaining and gracious host mm-hmm. and a great ambassador for Star Wars. So it's really absolutely. worked out in his favor and in theirs. Yes, absolutely. All right. So um, now we can move on to more than Return of the Jedi. Yeah. How about we start with Caravan of Courage? <laughs> now we can go on to more than Return of the Jedi. <laughs> So I will say that Caravan of Courage was uh-huh. a movie that I watched live <laughs> because I'm old and I'm old. it was monumental because it was in the height of my Star Wars fandom. 
Right. And it was a story of continuation. Well, your first Star Wars fandom. Right, right. I would say your current uh, Star Wars fandom is uh, slightly higher. Yes, true, true. Before the Dark Times, yes. Pre-Dark right, Times right. versus your, post. Your, your Star Wars renaissance. Renaissance. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the one that uh, excludes Star Trek. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Caravan of Courage was on Endor, the last movie that we had se- I had seen in the theaters. And it featured some of the great characters from that battle. And I was somewhat dismayed at the fact that Luke and Han and Leia weren't in it. Uh, And it featured a blaster rifle that uh, ran out of juice at the most important times, which was very (laughs) frustrating. And I still clearly remember to this day how angry I was with that blaster rifles like come on just get another energy pack blow up the the bullet exactly (laughs) (laughs) great it just blew up the boulder and that's it that sucks um but you know it did uh increase the lore you know it was a continuation of uh warwick davis's role as wicket and you know it did introduce some interesting pieces the gorax for example which was like a primary character that the blurgs were in that as well one of the other indigenous species to this planet was the little sprites that we saw. And, you know, they feature Uh, prominently in it. Now, whether or not they're canon, who knows, but very much almost like an ode to what was to come with Disney. And it reminds me very much of Tinkerbell. And uh, so when I saw that, I remember that, like, that magic was a Disney magic for me when I first saw it. But the story was, it was cool. Watching it again just recently, it was like, wow, okay, I struggled sort of through it. But it was meant for kids and, you know, Mace... And his orange flight suit was definitely reminiscent of Luke. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, Joe Johnston was on the production crew. So there's definitely some very creative people who are on that that production. But for me, it was more nostalgic and reinforced the A, the fact that blaster rifle still annoys me to this day. And secondly, (laughs) how amazing... We saw at Star Wars Celebration, when we were up in Chicago in 2019, there was a mother with a little daughter who was cosplaying as Sindel. And she is the absolute spitting image. Yeah, she looked perfect. It was literally perfect. It's literally as if she walked off the screen. It was was spine-tingling. And to watch that again, that was the first thing I thought of. And... What a great callback to, again, we talk about canon and we talk about the movies, whatever. It's about enjoying all the content that's out there. And, you know, do you like it or not? Who cares, really? But this mother and the daughter enjoyed this story so much that she literally home run to portray Sindel. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was top notch for sure. And I did a double take because I thought it was like in my, my head or my dreams or something. Because... <laughs> yeah. Like, she's uncanny resemblance. Yeah. And it just, it was fantastic. I think that one of my favorite um, Endor showings is at Star Wars Park at Disney's Hollywood Studios. They have the Star Tours ride. That's fantastic. Which, of course, has a uh, set dressing included at the entrance there, which has the Imperial Bunker where the Jedi Academy is showcased. And then the Ewok Tree Village above the Star Tours ride queue. And, of course, the giant uh, walker there. So cool. And then across the way is a little Endor Forest backdrop with a speeder bike prop for some killer photo ops. Oh, yes. (laughs) And, of course, when they would do Star Wars weekends, uh, you could always find at least 
a couple Ewoks or Wookiees in front of that speeder, just, you know, ready for some really cool uh, photos there and all. And actually, Emily met C-3PO in the line queue Ooh. area. So he was amazing. And he was like, hello, Emily. I am C-3PO, human cyber. And she was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, did you, like, bow down and say, oh, uh, yeah. I said, oh, oh my. I said, hurry up, Goldenrod. You're going to be so nervous. <laughs> He was like, oh, my apologies, sir. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the beginning of the in-world immersion that did with Star Wars at Disney Parks. Mm. You know, you, you kind of w- could walk, you know, under the Ewok Village. And then, of course, when they did the Rise of Skywalker addition to Star Tours, they have that scene. That's in right. There where, they, where they're mm-hmm. in the uh, water on uh, Endor, Endor and they go into yep. the remnants of the Death, Death Star 2. Yep. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, so Endor has appeared, I mean, mentioned many times in some of the the storylines that have happened after Return of Jedi, especially as uh, Disney Mm -hmm. has purchased them, Mm -hmm. um, in many of the stories. But some really strong connections back to Endor, chronologically at least, we would, you know, start with maybe Rebels and Mm -hmm. where that story ended and uh, the family reunion, which, okay, Rebels, of course, just phenomenal series. Uh, and the way it ended was gut-wrenching and tear-jerking, but also full of hope, especially after the Battle of Endor, which Hera was yeah. part of, and along with her son with Kanan, uh, uh, Jason. Yes, Jason Sindula, yeah. Probably mm-hmm. a, you know, a primary player in the success of that uh, mission, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's where we see Ahsoka coming back with Sabine and going on that mission to find Ezra and potentially launching us into the upcoming Ahsoka series. And also Poe Dameron's mom was, was one of the pilots oh, That's right. On, in one of the A-Wing pilots. And Poe's father was part of the mission on the, on the moon. Oh, part of the ground assault. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the like, uh, rebel troopers or something like that. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely some connections to the sequel trilogy in there as well. And um, evidently, according to Wikipedia, mm. okay, uh, the Holdo Maneuver took place above Endor. And Wicket and his son saw it uh, happen Very from tr- the far side. Wow. Yeah. And it's funny you should mention Wikipedia because they posted, I think it was yesterday. What Wikipedia page have you recently visited? And I replied on our behalf with the following tweet, which was Endor for the cooking tips, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. I like that. But yes, Wikipedia is definitely a very engaged and, uh, you know, a very cool part of the uh, Star Wars community on uh, Twitter. Um, so, yeah, so definitely Rise of Skywalker. Another mention that we hear of Endor is in The Mandalorian with uh, Cara Dune. She was a shock trooper. Yes. And she was on that mission as well, or at least not necessarily the in the Return of the Jedi, but as part of the sort of subsequent missions that were going on in Endor to right. rid the moon itself. Of the Imperial Remnant. Right, right, which yeah. was a very important mission just before the whole uh, Operation Cinder. I feel like we should do an episode on the contingency plan and Operation Cinder. Absolutely. And you know who we should have on for that, right? Rob at Jedi Temple Archives Podcast. I'm sorry? Um, Rob. Um, he, he hasn't been around a lot, but um, he's uh, kind of a cool guy. He's got a cool little podcast there. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, 
So, no, I think that would be very, very cool. We also have to talk about the removal of the celebration song. Ooh. Or the, you know, revisionist history of the celebration song. Okay. You know, I remember remember the the Road to the Force Awakens. They had the um, little six-run comic that followed Luke and Shara Bay, actually, um, Poe Dameron's mom. Oh. And it was called uh, Shattered Empire. Shattered Empire, yes, that's right. And um, the cover was the celebration with, like, Lando clapping. (laughs) It was drawn. It was that scene, but it was drawn. It was so good. So initially, when the film first came out, it was very intimate. It was the group of rebels all together, mm. you know, celebrating, I guess, the downfall of the Empire, finally. And, you know, the explosion in the sky, you know, was, was reminiscent of, like, fireworks and uh, shooting yep. stars or something. So, uh, very romanticized. And, yubnub. Yes. You know, then when they redid everything, then it was actual fireworks and spaceships flying mm-hmm. by and shooting out streamers and party favors and stuff. <laughs> and then, of course, all the cutscenes to Coruscant yes. and, and all these other uh, worlds that were also celebrating, which I get, I can appreciate that, but still no yub-nub. Yeah. So, you know, they, they changed it to the celebration theme yes. that they do. But it's kind of sad to not have that. It is. And you watch it. Yeah. Now. yeah. Unless... <laughs> You watch your uh, ungeorged edition um, of the films right. that still have Yubnub. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to see Stormtrooper helmets being used as drums? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's their, the acoustic quality is fantastic. <laughs> you know, There's actually our percussionist in Tarkin's Ghost uses a couple of them. Sweet. Yeah, oh. yeah he's awesome. <laughs> They're not snare drums or Stormtrooper drums. No. No. <laughs> we also saw, of course, just one little final anecdote about the Rise of Skywalker um, is the uh, scene where we see Luke and Leia uh, training on Endor, or what we think is Endor. And I think it's been pretty much confirmed that it is Endor because uh, it's very much after or very closely after the, the events on Endor. So that was kind of cool. To yeah, see. like Luke's wearing the same outfit. Right. So you kind of assume that's where it's Endor. But he's kind of wearing the same outfit in The Mandalorian, too. So. Right, right. So could it be the... I feel uh, like maybe he only has the one outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and surprise that Lando didn't borrow it. <laughs> yes. Hello, what have we here? But um, aside from all those references, I think it's worthy of mention before we uh, end this uh, fantastic episode on Andor. The fascinating story of the Krulok. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Ah, uh, yes. The crew lock. Yes, yes. From the Star Wars Life Day Treasury <laughs> that I now have as a solid copy as that I can leaf through. Thankful to you and our Christmas exchange and my birthday exchange, which was absolutely wonderful. Uh, the crew lock is a fantastic little story. You know, it was George Mann <laughs> and uh, Kevin Scott. Uh, they wrote this entire book. But uh-huh. the crew lock is a very uh, cautionary little tale about the Ewoks and yep. Endor going through a very uncommon cold snap and everything was covered in snow again. So speaking to my you know, upbringing in Montreal. Yes, yes. And to see how 
Wicket and his friends ventured out at night, nonetheless, and had encountered the Krulok. And it was just a story, a cautionary story to keep the kids at home. Uh-huh. It ended up being Logre and Chirpa that were out in the night <laughs> making these footprints in the snow. Yeah. It was a great part of Life Day. So thank you very much for the book, by the way. And <laughs> look how fantastic it came in handy tonight. There you go. Everything, everything's a write-off. Exactly. <laughs> Research. Exactly. <laughs> hey, a Star Wars keychain. Oh, we can write that off. Exactly. It's a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my favorite is when they're all gathered around C-3PO in the village, and he's telling them the story of, like, Luke and Han and everybody. Yeah. And then, of course, he has the sound effect. Yes. Confusing. And he's, he's speaking in their, their native tongue, and he's, he's telling them, like, campfire stories yeah. of, of the rebels. That's such a cool thing. It is, and it, that's echoed in Ewok Adventure, the Caravan of Courage, where Sindel's telling Wicked about her story, and it's Star Cruiser Crash. And I, like, literally, it's a visceral memory that I have when I was young watching that, and it's part of their yeah. lore. It's a spoken word. And that's a great yeah. circle to, uh, to bring it back to. Well, there we go. I guess with that, we're on social media. Mm-hmm. We've got conversations.com. We have our link tree. We've got the uh, facebook.com mm-hmm. slash conversations at suations on Twitter. Um, we have conversations. Um, our uh, <laughs> our um, shirt store, I yes. guess. Yeah. That's what our username or whatever yeah well that's it like zazzle has allowed us to sell the stuff up there now so uh we're okay yeah we're incognito enough that uh, zazzle is uh letting us there so but you can find like those links boss and spy. exactly we're we're dodging the empire all the time and <laughs> those links oh, actually man. are in our link tree you can actually uh there's a little um sort of preview of the t-shirts if you're interested in looking yeah. at those. they're linked directly to them and we're on Instagram. Well, you're on Instagram. Conversations on mm-hmm. that one. You know, obviously, we're in the Red 5 network uh, mm-hmm. with Ro and and all those other wonderful people. So um, if you want more other great podcasts like us, then uh, listen to our backlog. Um, <laughs> uh, furthermore, uh, if you like them, then rate us and write reviews and stuff because I hear that's helpful. It is. It is. And you can actually rate us and review us on uh, Spotify at this point. So there's Apple yeah. and Spotify. That's a new sort of thing there. So Very cool. Yeah. All right. So I guess with that being said, we can bring this out with May the Yub Nub Be With You. One, two, three, fanboys. Chaka. 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 Place for living shall Ewok Nation make dead. Who 
give little gold for big move of laboring. Guaranteed. The Ewok Tree Removal Service of Endor. Taking care of pesky trees and Imperial troops since 6 BBY. listener, just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>